good evening and welcome to the latest edition of the 8 o'clock spot live here on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and Twitter account. As always, I am Bryson Carver, your host slash moderator slash judge, whatever you want to uh, dub me for this evening's show of the 8 o'clock spot. Episode 22, we've got four great guests, starting with the newcomer, EJ Savage, Boys in the Zone, one of the latest additions to the Grid Network and a big-time Cowboys fan. EJ, how are you recovering from this weekend? You know, um... It's hard to even recover from that, but you know the saying, misery loves company. At least the Eagles are here with us. And, uh, you know, I, I guess that's my only, uh, you know, saving grace per se. But I'm excited to watch how the playoffs unfold. I didn't expect the Packers to win, but we'll get into that later on in the show. So just glad to be here, man. For sure, man. Great to have you on. And we, we do have some great playoff games ahead, but we'll obviously recap some of the ones from this past weekend. Tim Barnard, big-time Patriots fan, big-time Boston guy, is back on the Grid Network's edition of the 8 o'clock spot. A finalist last week came oh so close to getting that that coveted 8 o'clock spot crown. Is third time the charm tonight, Tim? I think it is. I mean, come on. Third time, you got to go for it. I've made the uh, final round back-to-back times. Plus, I'm repping the Keller House up in Weirs Beach, New Hampshire, getting that whole New England atmosphere going. So let's go. I respect it. I respect it. We represent all New England. Uh, to Dalton Brown, a previous champion of the 8 o'clock spot and evidently a Red Sox fan uh, as of a few minutes ago. Dalton, how are you doing? Yeah, listen, Bryson and I have uh, have been beefing lately, so I decided to throw on the Red Sox, the Red Sox hat just to, uh, you know, just to kind of make amends, you know, hope that he, he pushes me along tonight. I mean, obviously I'm going to earn my way, but he, he's – this way, Bryson has a better chance of, of viewing that as it actually is. It's interesting. You're trying to curry favor with the, the host of the show and the and the man who holds all power. That's very interesting. Uh, finally, to you, Dylan, another uh, Patriots. We got we got a lot of Red Sox, Patriots, a lot, a lot of a lot of Boston up in here. Big-time Patriots fan, Dylan, and the defending champion from last week's edition of the 8 o'clock spot, his first title. Dylan, how are you doing and hoping to defend your title? I'm doing great, doing great. Of course, I'm only trying to go back-to-back. This past weekend was definitely very interesting. A lot of good football and a lot of bad football. So it's going to be interesting uh, going into that for uh, tonight's episode. Should be fun, should be fun. We already got a comment here from uh, John Does Math uh, saying, let's go. We got some big-time topics today, so everybody feel free to chime in the comment section. We would love to hear what you think about what we are discussing. Before we get anything, though, let's look at the leaderboard updated from last week. Mike Guido, pretty comfortable lead in first place at over 58,000 points, followed by Barry Grant Jr., Alfred Parser Jr., Devin Nettles, John Rivera, Dalton Brown, Dylan Lima, Adam Bessie, Ryan Flowers, Anthony Bessie, Alex Johnson, Tim Barnard, Eric Van Letten, and of course, EJ, you are going to join the leaderboard after tonight, assuming you are able to put together some good takes. Let's get into our first round rules. It's as simple as this, folks. A great take gives you 200 points. A good take gives you 100. An okay take gives you 50. And a bad take, you come home empty-handed with zero points. Let's talk about the primetime game last night in Tampa Bay, Florida, where the Philadelphia Eagles got absolutely throttled by a final score of 32-9. Jalen Hurts in this Eagles offense was nothing short of abysmal. Uh, Hurts was sacked for uh, a safety at one point in the game, backed up uh, at at his own 13-yard, I think it was inside the 15-yard line, backed up, sacked in the end zone. The Eagles defense continued their poor play. And there's questions about whether or not the Eagles will continue to pursue the goal of winning another Super Bowl with head coach Nick Sirianni, who lost, who led the team to five, uh, sorry, six of their last seven games in which they got the L after a 10 and one star. And given how great the head coaching market is with Belichick, Vrabel, potentially guys like Jim Harbaugh, there's a potential maybe they can move on. So I'll start with you, EJ. Should the Philadelphia Eagles move on from Nick Sirianni? Um, emphatically, yes, in, in my opinion. I think that he fit the script last year uh, with, you know, there in Philadelphia, 
blue collar chip on the shoulder, loud flamboyant kind of a guy. Um, but it's gotten overplayed now and it's, it's starting to feel more like a belligerent, belligerent child more so than a head coach. It seems like he's kind of gotten under the skin of some players. Um, and when you lose the locker room, ultimately you can't be a head coach in this league. Um, we saw it with the Seahawks game. He tried to take the fall for the team and say that, um, we were playing for the DPI right there. And, uh, it took the, the players like three weeks for them to come out and say, no, that's not what happened. Three weeks. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to let your coach set on that for three weeks and you're not going to have his back. I think that he just lost the locker room. Um, slid five of the last six in the regular season, go into Tampa Bay with no more adjustments, no more answers for the blitz pickups. Um, and, and it, cost him the game ultimately uh Jalen Hurts had another uh bad game playing against the Blitz and as an offensive minded head coach you've got to figure out how to do better and especially with that offensive line so I say yes yeah and that's a great point you made in, in regards to the Blitz like I remember seeing the stat going into the week that Hurts was one of the uh, lowest rated quarterbacks in the league against the Blitz Tampa Bay Blitz is about as much as anybody obviously Tom Bowles uh calling that defense so you know that, that you, when you're not able to to make adjustments to something you knew Tampa Bay was going to do coming in uh that's definitely a problem EJ I'm going to give you on your very first segment of the eight o'clock spot a good take gives you the 100 points get on the board right off the bat to Tim Barnard should the Philadelphia Eagles fire head coach Nick Sirianni yeah, I think they should. I mean, the Eagles, like you said, EJ, lost five of their last six, including that last one to the Giants, which should have been a friggin' layup. But their, their last season compared to this season, I mentioned a couple weeks ago on my first 8 o'clock spot how the team looked different. And clearly they were because offensively last year they were third in points for, second in total yards, fifth in rush, ninth in pass. But this year – they were seventh in points for seventh in total yards, eighth in rush, 16th in pass yards. I mean, great. It was all the coordinators. And defensively, they were a hell of a lot better last year than they were this year. Like vastly better, especially when you look at the stats. And if and plus two, does everyone remember the Super Bowl against Kansas City? Nick Sirianni taunting Kansas City, uh, you know, during the middle of the game. And Jalen Hurts, of all players, was like, Guy, you know, stop. And if you want to look at the head coaching bit, you know, that head coaches that are out there, you know, yes, you got Vrabel, Pete Carroll is a possibility if you can pry him out of Seattle. But there are some great, you know, coordinators out there that you could probably steal from another team. The only reason why I did not say Belichick is because when they did the football life on Bill Belichick in 09, they played the Eagles in Philadelphia, and he's quoted saying to Tom Brady, the only thing I can root for in Philadelphia is the national anthem, nothing else. So, I mean, that's why I would, you know, scrap Belichick. But again, if you give him enough money, he'll go anywhere. So, at the end of the day, yes, Sirianni needs to get out of there. He's a tool bag, and the team is vastly different from last season to this season. Yeah, and it is some of the EJ talked about it uh, earlier, and, and and so have you. Like some of the kind of the childish behavior, and that was I, I forgot about that moment in the Super Bowl when when they won a challenge, and Jalen Hurts like, hey, dude, calm down. Uh, and you saw the moment in Kansas City where he was yelling at the fans, like, name any other coach in the NFL uh, that's doing. That. I mean, the, the Eagles and Chiefs aren't even like rivals like that. This isn't Dallas. This isn't Washington. The New York Giants. It was a very odd moment, but something that's become uh, seemingly quite common with Coach Sirianni. I'm gonna give you a great take, Tim. The 200 points. Uh, I thought you make some great points regarding how the offense is deep. 
defense has, has truly regressed, especially the defense. And, you know, listen, it seems like the more I've talked about this on, on my show, carving it up, that the more that Sirianni is involved with the play calling duties or just any duties in general, it seems to me that the worse it gets, even if you go back to his first year in 2021. So great take by Tim. To you, Dalton, should the Philadelphia Eagles fire Nick Sirianni? No. Um, no. Now, I, I actually think both of you made some some pretty decent arguments. Uh, look, at the end of the day, we're talking about a bad not even half season. We're talking about losing six out of seven. It's ugly. I get it. It looked really bad last night. The team did give up last night. None of that's good. That being said, three years ago, you're looking at an Eagles team that had just gone nine and seven, nine and seven, four and 11. Now they've gone nine and eight, 14 and three, 11 and six. You tell any Eagles fan three years ago that's what they're in for and that you're thinking about firing the coach, they'd tell you that you're nuts. Now, I understand it's not that simple, but the reality of what's going on here is it's a bad half season because the secondary got really old all at once. Bayard fell apart. Bradbury fell apart. Slay fell apart. These guys were productive last year. At the end of the day, this happens with defensive backs. They age. Sometimes they age all at once, and it ends up getting really ugly all at the same time. They've also dealt with injuries on offense. It's been disjointed for the second half of the season. They've been missing different guys each week. Missing A.J. Brown last night makes a big difference. The reality is I think that team by the time not by the time last night came around was a tired, beaten down, uninspired team. Sure, that falls on Sirianni. It doesn't reflect well on him. But we're talking about a young head coach who three years into his, three years into his head coaching career has yet to have a losing season. Um, he turned a franchise around. Um, you know, for me – I'm not. I'm not arguing that this season was a good look for him. I'm just arguing that that to fire him over what was a fe- what was essentially a bad seven game stretch is an overreaction, and the grass is not always green. It's not always greener, except in coaching cycles like this. That's one thing. I, and you you made a great case regarding like, hey, like it was it was going well. The injuries and that those do play factor. AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts screwed up his his finger last week against the Giants. Other injuries on the defensive side of the ball. But one thing I would say is that you know, it, it, like there's debate in, in right now. We'll we'll talk about this team a little later. But you know, should the Cowboys move on from Dak Prescott? Well, if Patrick Mahomes was on the market, yeah, you move on from Dak if you have a shot to get the best quarterback in the world or Joe Burrow or somebody. Um, I think the same could be said with Vrabel on the market with with guys like. Like Bill Belichick, etc. But you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. So I'm gonna give you a good take, Don. I think you made some great, some good points regarding, um, you know, the the, the injuries in Philadelphia because those do those do factor. And listen, you you could make the case that it was a bad situation. I wouldn't say a terrible situation, but the roster roster was uh, seen better days when he took over in 2021. Finally, it's you, Dylan. Should the Eagles fire Nick Sirianni? I feel like this is a tough question because I, I part of me I, I definitely see what Dalton's saying where you know it's it, you know you have a young coach that definitely put up some good results but I think just by how they crashed out it's not just what happened it's how they did it you're looking at a 10 and one team and in Sirianni was showing that his genius with his play calling and being able to pull wins out of games that seemed unlikely but once teams started to figure out how Sirianni makes his play calls um you know situations and stuff he really started to show the cracks and, I mean, yeah, sure, injuries play a part. But this Eagles team, is I can't see them getting that much better. They already have the stacked O-line. They have a stacked defense. They're pretty much, a, they're pretty much an all-around complete team. And the fact that they only won one game out of their last, what was it, six or seven games, whatever it was, and, you know, they go from potential number one seed to out in the wild card is – very hard to bring back that locker room. And we've seen it time, time again, where coaches lose the locker room 
And if they can't turn it around quick, everybody tunes you out. And it's almost going to just seem like they're going to just slowly start regressing again. You know, I, I don't know how the free agent market is going to be, but especially with all the coaches that are available, you know, why are you going to stick with someone like Nick Sirianni? Well, yeah, they, he brought you to a Super Bowl, but you could have way more seasoned, way more, you know, composed coaches that have way more proven track records. And, you know, I can see a variable turning around that team and even make them even become a champion where Sirianni kind of fell apart with his, you know, just his bombastic attitude and almost cockiness to a certain fall. And it just, it just doesn't seem like a good look. I, I, I just, I can't see Sirianni turning that locker room back in his favor unless if he really just 10 seconds still. Yeah. Unless he just really pulls off an amazing season again, which they pretty always have. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that's interesting regarding how it's how it's going to play out is, is that you know the, the locker room seemed to be fractured again. The, the effort was horrendous by both sides of the ball. Um, and then I'll tell you one thing: you were talking about the roster. I know for a fact one area where they will objectively not be as good at in twenty twenty four is center because Jason Kelsey retired uh, after the game was over. So that's going to be a, a big time loss. I don't know if we're uh, you know we're, we're talking about uh, Dalton. You have anything uh, in response? Yeah, I mean, and and look, I appreciate that I'm on an island here. It's fun. Um, two things. Number one, all these great head coaches on the market all had a worse record this year than Nick Sirianni. Just have to put that out there. Secondly, the reality of this whole 10-1 and one and then 1-6 and six thing, it has a lot to do with scheduling. At the end of the day, if the way they got to 11-6 and six was by going 2-1 and one over and over, we're not having this conversation. And so... Uh, you know, look, I get that it's not a good I get that it's not a good look, but we have to be willing to look at things a little bit more holistically. That's that's really what my take boils down to. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dylan, uh, OK, take I'm going to give you the 50 points there. OK, take I, I don't know if you know, regarding the roster. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, but uh, OK, take across the board. So real quick, it looks like we got a comment here by our guy, Barry Grant Jr., uh, he says, get Dak McCarthy and Dan Quinn out of here. Barry's already one segment ahead of us. Like, wait, just wait a second. Wait, wait for us to, to get to that point. We will discuss that. But first, let's look at our second round rules. Uh, everything gets doubled from the first round. A great take gives you 400 points. A good take gives you 200. An okay take gives you 100 points. And a bad take, again, nothing there. Zero points. The Dallas Cowboys folded in. I don't even want to say Dallas Cowboys fashion. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. They just somehow invent new ways to, 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 to fall out of the playoffs in, in epic fashion. Uh, Mike McCarthy with a rough day at the office some bad second down call, uh, run calls uh only 15 yards on seven carries on second down in that game McCarthy had a bad coach coaching performance Dak Prescott a down performance from him as well especially given how he played this regular season two picks including a devastating pick six toward the end of the first half yes he threw for 400 yards and the three touchdowns but most of those came in garbage time Dak certainly came nowhere near having his best day at the office and Dan Quinn might have had the worst performance of them. Again, we'll discuss this. But Dan Quinn's defense, top five in virtually every statistical category, giving up 48 points to the Green Bay Packers and a near-perfect passer rating to a, albeit surging, Jordan Love with the Green Bay Packers. But the Packers get the upset. I will start with you, Tim. Who get Who is the biggest reason? There's a lot of reasons the Cowboys lost, but who is the biggest factor? Who's the biggest reason the Cowboys lost to Green Bay? Yeah, it, it, there's, there's so much blame to go around. I mean, I you can sit here and say Dak, the defense, Dan Quinn, uh, all these all these guys, but at the end of the day, it boils down to one man, and that's head coach Mike McCarthy because this man has come in. He, again, kind of simil similar to Sirianni, who has come in, taken over a bad program, and has gone you know 12-5 and five the last three seasons, including this one. 
He lost twice in the in the wild card round, including this year, and then last year in the division round. The dude hasn't even made an NFC championship game. When was the last time Dallas even made an NFC championship game? It's been forever. And the fact that a team with the fifth in total yards who couldn't produce more than 16 points in the third through three quarters. I, I, I want to say those 16 points in the fourth quarter are pretty much garbage time points anyway. They really didn't matter. The game was well over. But Dak going one for four with zero yards after one quarter was wild. And Mike McCarthy was a former offensive coordinator. He brought Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers to a Super Bowl championship. So where 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 is this going? You know, I understand that, you know, regular season is all well and good. But like we've talked about on this show multiple times, it's how you perform in the playoffs. And Matt LaFleur just had a coaching field day against Mike McCarthy. I think that's really why I blame Mike McCarthy more than anybody is just how Matt LaFleur just dismantled them. And Dallas didn't even look ready. They were like, yeah, all right, another week. We're going to steamroll these guys. How can you not have your team ready after two years of losing so early when you have a very good team that has a chance of at least getting to the NFC Championship game? That's what really shakes me because in seconds you have to have your head coach is supposed to have you ready. In the last three years, going 12-5 and five has done nothing for Dallas. Yeah, no question. Obviously, again, three 12 on seasons in a row. I believe that the only team in NFL hit, I'm sorry, in the since the merger in 1970 to have three straight 12 1 seasons and for and fail to make a conference title game, any of those. And they only have one playoff win in that stretch uh, in general. Uh, Tim, I'm going to give you a good take there. Listen, Mike McCarthy had picked up his worst day to have his worst game, uh, or picks his worst game to have his worst day at the office, so to speak. And obviously, Matt LaFleur and, and everybody in Green Bay ran circles. Keep in mind, too, that Dallas's offense, you could put this on Dak, McCarthy, anybody who you want. Green Bay's defense was bottom 10. In virtually every statistical category, and like you mentioned, only 16 points through through, through three quarters, and then the, the 16 meaningless in the fourth quarter. To you, Dalton, who deserves the most blame for the Cowboys' playoff loss to the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, um, everybody involved. Uh, this is a full organizational failure, top to bottom. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start at the top. I think Jerry Jones fosters a culture of extreme pressure, um, and I think he fosters a culture where people aren't comfortable. Uh, in, in their day-to-day, and, and I think the pressure gets to guys, and I think it would take a certain type of guy to succeed in that culture. I don't think Mike McCarthy is the guy who can succeed in that culture. I don't think Dak Prescott is either when the lights get brightest. Prescott is now 2-5 and five in the postseason in his career. He's thrown seven interceptions in those seven games. Um, look, the guy is a very talented quarterback. When things set up correctly for him, he can look absolutely dominant. He's really fun to watch. But the reality is that when teams change up what they're doing, when the lights get brighter in the playoffs, I haven't seen a ton of ability from him to adjust in these big spots and find a way through. Um, you know, you said it, right? This idea that a team can win 12 games every year and not go anywhere in the postseason speaks for itself. Um, now, do you get rid of Dak Prescott? I don't think so. The guy's talented enough. You're not going to find you know, more than a few quarterbacks who are more talented than him out there. To me, Mike McCarthy is the guy that needs to go. Uh, because Jerry Jones isn't going anywhere. I think you need to you need to hire somebody younger. You need to hire somebody more creative, and you need to hire somebody who's going to bring the best out of Dak when it's needed, if that's there. Um, so, if somebody has to go, it's McCarthy. But realistically, this is a top to bottom organizational failure. Um, you know, take it from a Dodger fan: like doing nothing in between these seasons 
does not make it change. Um, you know, and, and I, it, it's Dave Roberts. It's, it's Mike McCarthy, right? It's, it's the same, same type of idea to me. So. Yeah. And, and like, again, it grows across the board and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Jerry Jones in the, in the culture in Dallas, which is not conducive to winning. And well, we can go back to the Jimmy Johnson fire. I mean, you saw Jimmy Johnson's halftime speech, man. Why, why, why do you hire the fire this dude? Like, well, what are we doing here? But you know, listen, uh, it, it does kind of stem from, from the top and you know, the culture in Dallas is, is nothing short of horrendous. And like you said, there's, there's Super Bowl expectations. It seems like every week, it seems like on these shows uh, we watch on television, even I can get caught up in my show. Is this a must win for Dallas against the Carolina Panthers? No, they're going to kick Carolina his teeth and like that's it's it's little things like that that that, that you know factor in uh Dalton actually give you give you a great take I think you were across the board 100 on this um Dak needs better coaching Dak needs to uh step up his game in regards to the brighter moments McCarthy is uncreative and Jerry Jones is a chaotic egomaniac owner so a great take for Dalton for Dylan what is your reaction to the Dallas Cowboys loss and more specifically who deserves the most blame I mean, quite frankly, as much as there's so much blame to go around, I really think Dan Quinn in that defense deserves the most. Um, we're talking about a Cowboys team that arguably like the best it's been in a long time. You know, we uh, last week I remember I was so emphatic about them blowing out the Packers just by purely the Packers' not so great offense going up against a what I thought was going to be a woodshed. You know, just how how great the deep Cowboys defense was time and time again. But then game time comes, you're already down 27 nothing in the first half. Like You don't even have a prayer to even come back. And Dak Prescott fought his best. The Cowboys still try to fight and made at least somewhat of a close game on the scoreboard at least. But you can't let Aaron Jones have three touchdowns. You can't let Jordan Love have a near-perfect QBR. It, it just – that's just – you can't, you can't let that happen to anyone. And with a Packers team that didn't impress me at all – going into the playoffs, all of a sudden putting up 48 on who I thought was going to at least win one, maybe two playoff games. And yeah, I, it almost seems like the Cowboys are cursed. You could talk about Jerry Jones. You could talk about McCarthy, but you know, at 27, nothing, you already start off the game. It's just, there was just no chance for them to even be able to make a comeback at all. Plain and simple. Yeah, and and it's again, it's a lack of preparation. It's a lack of attention to detail, and you know that's that's a Green Bay team that came in a lot more desperate than Dallas. This is a Green Bay team that you know, listen, they've been playing about you know along with your Rams, Don, along with the Baltimore Ravens, like they've been among the, the some of the best teams in the league, at least the hottest teams in the league, starting three and six, you know, winning you know six, I guess six of the last eight to get into the postseason with the hottest quarterback, arguably in all in all football, in Jordan Love, but still forty eight points is is. It's bad, like really bad, especially at home. Uh, Dylan, I'm gonna give you an okay take once again here. I think you did a solid job pointing out, you know, some of the the the, the misgivings of uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, only only thing I would say is I don't know if you necessarily uh, pinpointed exactly what was what was the issue uh, regarding Quinn and the defense, but nonetheless, an okay take. Uh, to finally, to you, EJ, I know this one hurts you the most. Is the um, the Dallas Cowboys lost in the playoffs? Your reaction, and more specifically, what's the biggest reason they lost? Yeah, I think that everybody hated a little bit with um, who they thought was to blame, but I'm going to go with uh, out of left field kind of pick right here. I'm going to say Jimmy Johnson by proxy. Uh, in Cowboys land, you think about this curse of Jimmy Johnson and, oh man, we're, we, we lost to the Dolphins. We don't have any hopes of winning the division. Then we come in and we have that game against Detroit. You win it off of a failed two-point conversion, not once, not twice, three times. Um, and then you go and uh, um, somehow Philadelphia has a collapse of, uh, 
you know, catastrophic proportions to let you have the two seed and play at home where if you won 16 straight, you feel great about that. You feel uh, like you're floating on clouds, like you there's no way you could could lose. And maybe it was a lack of preparation by these coaches and, and everybody in the organization to think, man, we we've kind of got that monkey off of our back. We we solved the Jimmy Johnson curse. He's in the ring of honor. Everything's gone right since that point when he was inducted. And so we don't have to game plan as hard. We can win. We can be anybody at our house. And then game time started. The Green Bay Packers won, won the toss. They marched down the field. They get put seven up on you. And then it looks like everybody's wide-eyed, like that couldn't happen. Not against our defense, our, our really great defense that gets so many turnovers at home. No, 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 not us. And then you come back and, and you go three and out damn near uh, on the, the pass just out, just past the outstretched arms of CeeDee Lamb. And then they come back 14-0. Then you throw the interception. And then it just it festers and it gets bigger and bigger. And, and all of a sudden you're looking up at the scoreboard. It's 27-0. to and and there's no answers. Nobody knows what happened. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Really, is just the false sense of we finally got this off of our back. It's, it's our like year. We have we have the easiest path to the NFC Championship game in ages. I got to blame it on uh, the curse and and by proxy Jimmy Johnson. That's an interesting take. I've I've never really thought about it that way before. Maybe listen. Maybe Blay. I guess. I don't know, blaming a guy who was retiring in the 90s. But listen, curses are a real thing in sports. Uh, Red Sox, 86 years. Cubs, uh, was 108 years. Uh, Dallas Cowboys now is going to extend to at least 29 years. So, yeah, maybe there is something to that. But by and large, uh, okay, take uh, EJ. I'm going to give you the okay take here to get you to 200 points. Uh, as we uh, Looks like we got a lot of comments here uh, in the comment section. Uh, John Does Math says, man speaks truth. Dalton Brown is all over. So Dalton's got some fans uh, in the comments that would appear. Grid Network says, the painful thing about this is that the same bland answers. No anger, no frustration. It's the same responses. Dallas fans are sick of it. The most passionate people on Sunday were on the field. And Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast says, when Jimmy Johnson and Michael Irvin are more passionate than the guys on the field, that's we, why we are here. They are not dogs. There are no leaders. There are no tough guys. Yeah, I saw the Michael Irvin video, and obviously we saw all everybody saw Jimmy Johnson at halftime. Like, dang, they're more pissed off than the <laughs> the guys play today. It's I don't know if it was a sense of shock or what was going on, but it was certainly a concerning one. All right, let's go down to our third and final round. Again, obviously the top two point getters will move on to the final round, but our last round with all four contestants. Everything gets doubled from the second round. A great take gives you 800 points. A good take gives you 400. An okay take gives you 200 points. And a bad take, you come home empty-handed again with zero points. And once again, we have a fantastic divisional round. We got Detroit and Tampa Bay. We got Houston and Baltimore. We got Green Bay, San Francisco. But none of them, at least in my view, compared to the final game of the divisional round. Once again, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, part three. First matchup in 2020, the AFC title game, Chiefs winning in blowout fashion, and who in God's green earth could forget the second matchup in 2021. But this time, Mahomes, it'll be his first road playoff game of his career. The Bills, red hot, on fire, six straight Ws, the sixth straight coming against <coughs> my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. Not a good day for me yesterday, but we can move past that. Dalton, who has the edge in this matchup? Is it Kansas City or is it Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly Buffalo. Um, they, they've been the better team here for the better for really the last two months. Uh, this is a Buffalo team that's won six in a row. They've really turned it on. When Josh Allen has his turnover-prone games, they've played good enough defense to get past it. Um, the, the reality is that this is a Kansas City team that's really limited on offense, and, and they really have been all season. Um, you know, th They're not able to protect Mahomes the way they have in the past. They don't have the weapons in the past game for him that they've had in the past. Um, and, and really, 
this is Mahomes' first road game in the playoffs ever. I mean, I know that's probably going to get said by all four of us, but it, it's an important thing, right? Winning on the road in the playoffs is tough. He's never had to do it, and and this is going to be a tough place to do it. Um, the reality is that the, that the Bills have been the better team all season long, but especially lately. Point differential, they've almost doubled them up, plus 140 to plus 77. Um, you know, the defenses are about 17 points apart in points allowed. I know Kansas City's got the defensive reputation right now. Buffalo's right there. Um, and offensively, it's it's really hasn't been close. So, um, you know, there, there is always the chance that Josh Allen goes out there and just like has one of those days and, and it costs them. Um, but the reality is Kansas City hasn't really shown the ability to go out there and put up 28, 30 points when they need to. And I think they're going to need to here. Yeah, there's a good chance they'll need to. And obviously some of the red zone struggles come back to Biden. That's like all, the literally the only criticism I'm, I would have, you know, in their game against Miami is, you know, they struggle to punch it in down near the goal line and, Obviously, one of those possessions, Mahomes shattered his helmet. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, Dalton, I'm going to give you a great take here, get you to thir- a little over 1,300 or right at 1,300 points. Uh, listen, Buffalo is red hot right now. Kansas City has had their number in the postseason. Uh, but, listen, Buffalo did beat Kansas City. They're relatively tight, as you mentioned, in regards to the statistical outputs on offense and on defense. To Dylan now, who, is the, who has the advantage in this matchup on Sunday night? Is it the Kansas City Chiefs or is it the Buffalo Bills? I'm I'm definitely going to agree with Dalton here. I, I, it's definitely uh, Buffalo. And – you know, I'd, we, we could talk about the teams, you know, just like, you know, obviously Chiefs and Bills, they both have stellar defenses. And, of course, it's always going to come down to the weapons around Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. Because plain and simple, looking into the previous wild card, we're seeing Travis Kelsey drop balls. Rasheed Rice was the only player that showed up on, on the Chiefs offense, it seemed like, where he was the majority of Mahomes' uh, yards uh, in the air. And they can't put up another stinker. And uh, weather permitting and knowing how Buffalo fans show out and are some of the most loyal fans in all the NFL, it's going to be definitely tough for Mahomes to go all the way up to Buffalo and show out. Because it's really going to be a one-man army versus, uh, versus you know, it's like uh, it's like 300, you know, where he's just going up against that Persian army and they all just shoot the arrows and block out the sky. That's what it feels like to me. And I think Mahomes can really have those stellar games and, you know, redefine what is a quarterback. But at the end of the day, I just think Buffalo having home field over them, uh, having just an all-around better team, you know, even if it gets close, all it takes is just a one bad turnover, one bad drop by the Chiefs, and it could just totally change the game. And I think the Bills are more prepared more than ever in any of their other matchups to, you know, get over the Chiefs finally. Yeah, it sort of seems that way. It's kind of like this feels like an – if not now, win type of situation where Kansas City's never been weaker. Buffalo, certainly the way you could argue, has never been stronger defensively and offensively. They've never had a better running game. They've never had a better offensive line. And they do still have that guy at number 17, Josh Allen, at quarterback. You do have the concerns about the turnovers, no question about it. Um, but listen, that's that's one team has obviously played much better football uh, over the course of the last couple of months and has been much uh, much more consistent offensively in the game, is of course, in Buffalo. Dylan, I'm going to give you a good take here, uh, get you to 550 points. Listen, I, th- I think there's some serious concerns regarding Kansas City's receiver their production all season long uh playing it listen they played in the fourth coldest game ever in kansas city didn't seem to hurt them that bad but facing that buffalo team on the road who knows what the weather will be uh in upstate new york but only time it will tell to you ej who has the matchup advantage is it the kansas city chiefs or is it the buffalo bills yeah i gotta side with my other two guys right here i'm gonna go with the buffalo bills um you talk about it it's it's a, a home playoff game for buffalo it's gonna be cold up there in buffalo and truthfully yes you can say what you want about patrick mahomes is the best weapon on the kansas city's uh, uh offense but they also have a really good kicker 
one thing that kind of hampers cold in, in cold weather is kicking. It's it's harder to kick in the cold weather. They've struggled with drops as well. Travis Kelsey's, I, I said it last game, he had more drops than 9 Gucci Man. Um, it, it seems like, you know, this team isn't the same Kansas City team that we've uh, saw in the past. And so I, I'm going to side with Buffalo. You know, they do have that good defense for uh, uh, KC and second in sacks, I believe. But Josh Allen just playing so good now. The only, you know, I said it again for the for the Cowboys game. Only thing that can derail that is the turnovers or the penalties. That's the only only way I see the uh, Buffalo Bills losing this game. So expect a big game for uh, Josh Allen, not only through the air, but on the ground as well. He's a big, tough dude, hard to bring down. Um, regardless if you have, you know, the the second most sacks in the league. Yeah, no question about it. And, and obviously the, the Bills offense has been kind of in a heater. I, I thought yesterday against Pittsburgh, against my Steelers defense, albeit without TJ Watt, might have been their best game offensively in this stretch. No turnovers. Running game was excellent. Josh had the mm-hmm. crazy, you know, the long run for the touchdown, which it was poor tackling by Pittsburgh. But nonetheless, uh, especially in that, that touchdown to Shakir in the second half. Uh, but listen, props to Buffalo. They played exceptional football. Uh, I'm going to give you a good take here, EJ, to get you to 600 points uh, and get you into second place. So it really comes down to, to this, it seems like, Tim, to decide whether or not you or EJ moves on to the final round. So Tim, I know you you're you you love the Buffalo Bills, the Patriots, Sammy. Obviously, everybody knows that. Uh, who has the matchup advantage though? Are you going to go with everybody else or go different? Bills or Chiefs? Well, even as a Patriots fan, I prefer the Bills over Patrick Mahomes. Let's just put it that way because I can't stand the way the media treats Mahomes and how much of a crybaby is. But that's a whole different topic for another day. The uh, I, I got to go with Buffalo. I got to go with the guys. I understand. You know, no one's being a contrarian right here. The one thing I will say that kind of has me a little bit on edge is the fact that Mahomes, the only time he's ever played in Buffalo, he won. And it's been a 3-3 draw between these guys, including playoffs and regular season. So there is kind of that iffy factor. And again, we all know how the game against these two ended with the lateral that was a touchdown, but Kadarius Tony lined up off sides. If he lined up on sides, this game may be happening in Arrowhead. But, you know, the the thing is, I I really do, like, think that Buffalo is going to win. The only reason why is because they are so much better in the run game than Kansas City is. Yes, Kansas City is Rasheed Rice, but with James Cook, Josh Allen, Bryce, we talked about this earlier, and the fake slide that Josh Allen had, which I can't stand, but, you know, it's uh, It worked. He got that 52-yard scramble. He's a big body, tough to bring down. And, you know, Buffalo is sixth in rush yards compared to Kansas City's 19th. So there, if you're talking about a, you know, really where to focus on, it's got to be the run game. Buffalo, I looked at the weather charts. It is snowing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. And come Saturday morning, hell, it could be snowing all day Sunday. That's just Buffalo. It's the lake effect snow. So what are you going to do? You're going to run the football. Old school, smash mouth, run the football. And Kansas City, I don't think – no, I don't think. I know Kansas City doesn't have as good of a run defense to withstand Buffalo's rushing attack. So as long as, again, Josh Allen doesn't turn the ball over, then I think that Buffalo is going to win due to their run game. And the yeah, snow. and the run – yeah, the running game in this winning streak, you know, since the bye after they lost that game to Philadelphia and in this winning streak since James Cook, I think James Cook actually made the Pro Bowl. Again, the offensive line has never been better in Buffalo. Um, excuse me, before I get to your score, it looks like um, 
Uh, Carl DM80, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Let's see how Mahomes performs on the road. Yes, it'll be very fun to see. Again, uh, I'm hearing people say, well, Super Bowl's on the road. No, no, no. This is a real true road game. The Holmes crowd is 1,000% against you outside of some maybe some Kansas City fans who, who make the trip. But, Tim, you, my friend, are advancing to the final round to take on Dalton with 800 points, uh, getting you to uh, – I mean, so I'm going to give you a good take there regarding the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. So shout-out to Dylan, our defending champion, and shout-out to EJ Savage making his very first appearance on the 8 o'clock spot. Both have been eliminated, but we will see you at the end of the show after the last segment. So shout-out to both of those guys. It comes down to this, though. Uh, Dalton and uh, Tim. Where is Tim? We, oh, there he is. He's right over there. Uh, lost you there for a second, buddy. But uh, we got a fun final round. So before we even get into our final round, we got to tell you the rules. And it's win or go home. It's do or die. It's a great equalizer in this 8 o'clock spot tournament. The winner gets 10,000 points. The loser comes home empty-handed. So this decides the champion, this week's champion of the 8 o'clock spot. And the first playoff game involved the Houston Texans bludgeoning, and I loved every second of this, the Cleveland Browns 45-14 to in Houston, Texas. C.J. Stroud uh, pulled, a, pulled a Jordan Love in some aspects, almost had a perfect pass rating himself of 157.2. Three tutties, great completion percentage, 274 passing, QBR 0-100 to of 98.4. C.J. Stroud's had a fantastic season, should be the runaway offensive rookie of the year with respect to guys like Puka Nakua. Uh, but I I will ask you, I, I will ask you first, Tim, is CJ Stroud the greatest rookie quarterback we've ever seen? Now, I think he is the second greatest rookie quarterback, and it's only going to go to what you're wearing, Bryson. The best ah, rookie the quarterback has to be Big Ben Roethlisberger. He filled in for Tommy Maddox after week two. He got injured and proceeded to go 13-0. and It defeated the eventual Super Bowl champion Patriots that year. On Halloween night, I'll never forget it. And uh, it was one of those, like, I think he overall is a, was a better uh, rookie quarterback than C.J. Stroud. Now, I understand you can sit here and say, oh, but, you know, Pittsburgh relied on the run game. I, I get that. You know, it makes sense. But the O-line was elite. He had all the time in the world to throw back then. And uh, it was a very different game back then. I mean, the most uh, pass yards in the NFL in 2004 was 4,600 yards. So vastly different league back then. The quarterbacks were hit harder. The receivers were, you know, for, pushed around. And that, I think, was the year they instituted that five-yard cushion for DBs pressing on um, receivers. So at the end of the day, Ben Roethlisberger not only did his job, but I think did his job exceptionally because he was 13-0 and made it to the AFC Championship where it was a fairly competitive game against uh, the Patriots. The Patriots ended up pulling it out, of course. But um, I think, you know, as great as C.J. Stroud is, and I think he's, you know, really just below Big Ben. If he can make the AFC Championship game, then I would give uh, C.J. Stroud the best rookie quarterback. Yeah, and Big Ben obviously he came about as close as anybody as you know we know with the stat no rookie quarterback has ever led his team to the Super Bowl. Big Ben came about as close as anybody had the home game against the Patriots. I think did throw three picks in that game, but nonetheless, uh, no question a great rookie season and of course had a Hall of Fame level career first bout Hall of Fame level career with two Super Bowls. To you, Dalton, has C.J. Stroud had the greatest rookie quarterback season in the history of the National Football League? Um, I actually think he has. And, you know, it's funny. I, I came into the show, you know, or into my show prep thinking I was going to say no. 
Um, I'm naturally somebody who who doesn't like recency bias. I tend to go against what I feel like are overreactions in the moment. Uh, but when I actually dug into it, I think he is. Um, you know, I wanted to make an argument for Andrew Luck. I wanted to make an argument for Justin Herbert. Um, you know, Justin Herbert had the best stats out of any of these guys, but Herbert went six and nine in his rookie year. Um, you know, Andrew Luck went 11 and five, had a great season, but 23 touchdowns, 18 interceptions, um, just not nearly as efficient as Stroud was this season. Um, to me, what sets Stroud apart is he has the polish of a veteran, um, you know, and, and you can see it in that playoff game. Um, I mean, that was just lights out. Um, I think Big Ben's an interesting argument. It, it's truthfully not one I considered. So I, I can certainly appreciate that. Um but when you start looking down the line statistically, you're not going to find Big Ben in the top like 40 rookie seasons. Um, and, and while the wins and losses are great, I think there's something to be said for like, you know, taking over a team that was two and 14, like Andrew Luck did, taking over a team that was three and 14, like, like CJ Stroud did, uh, and, and turning them into what these guys did. Um, you know, I think that type of turnaround deserves a ton of credit. Um, and so for me, Stroud was the full package, right? He was top three in all these rookie stats you look at. Um, and he also led his team to a winning season and a playoff win. Um, in terms of well-roundedness and the complete package, it's Stroud for me. Um, but it's not, it, it's not like it's a, it's not a blowout, right? It's close. I mean, Herbert has an argument. Luck has an argument that Roethlisberger, that Roethlisberger season has an argument as well. By the way, somebody, neither of y'all mentioned is actually guys, uh, Barry mentioned the comments back in 2016. Uh, had a great rookie quarterback season. But listen, statistically not close to what Stroud and what you guys with Dustin Herbert and Andrew Luck took over a horrendous situation in Indianapolis and, and turned that into a playoff appearance. It, as, as is always the case in the final round. Let, matter of fact, let me quickly. Uh, I was so in, in France in, in y'all's takes, I had to just sit back and, and, and appreciate it for a moment. Uh, but there's going to be one winner of the 8 o'clock spot. And the winner this week, as we call it, the celebration music is... Dalton Brown. Dalton Brown is once again the champion of the 8 o'clock spot. Do we have the victory music right now playing? Where is it? Where is it? Your reaction, Dalton? Well, I'm, I'm surprised. Um, I, I did not anticipate that I would be graded very well tonight uh, because I know I've been giving you a hard time about Dak Prescott of late. Um, so I, I appreciate the, the impartiality of it. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, I, I actually I was I was worried there in that final round because that Roethlisberger take was uh, was thoughtful. It was good. It was, good, you know, it was really solid. So, um, you know, I'd like to take this moment here to just give you guys a couple against the spread picks for this weekend that you need to make. Uh, if you haven't gotten it already, that Buffalo line is going to be minus three any second. Now bet Buffalo at minus two, two and a half if you can. Um, take the six and a half with Tampa Bay. That Detroit team is is not ready to get margin in a playoff game. Uh, that Tampa Bay team is just as good as the Rams are right now and better on defense. And that game's going over the 48, 48 and a half points. That's all I got. That'll be a fun one. That, that, that's the one nobody's talking about that I can't wait for is Tampa Bay and Detroit. Bring Dylan and EJ back into the mix right here. Uh, let's, oh, well, let's see. I think EJ's on the phone right now. We'll take EJ out for a second. Uh, Dylan, your reaction. Did I make the correct decision here? I was asked uh, those who got eliminated. Yeah, no, I, 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 I believe you made the right decision. Uh, I believe CJ Stroud. I mean, you can talk about stats. You can talk about turning around a team. I was looking at the Texas team thinking about them being one of the worst teams in the NFL, and now they're in the divisional round. Definitely speaks volumes of how CJ Stroud's a leader. He is taking below average talent and bringing them so close to, you know, prominence where, you know, so many better Texans teams fall short. So I, I really do think CJ Stroud's the right pick. 
Yeah, but real quick, just to clarify, we got a comment here by Javier Rodriguez saying Patrick Mahomes. That is not technically count as his rookie season. He was drafted in 2017, became the starter in 2018. They don't great, even though he did play one, uh, played with week 17 game against the Denver Broncos. Uh, aside from that, uh, you know, they don't grade it the way they do NBA rookies, where your first year playing is technically your rookie season. We've seen plenty of guys in the past win the award uh, for that. I, I don't think we'll be able to get EJ back on for the end of the show, but shout out to EJ's first uh, episode and first appearance on the 8 o'clock spot. Shout out to Dylan. Shout out to Tim. Once again, Tim, so close. You're almost there, buddy. You're almost there to the finish line to win the 8 o'clock spot. Uh, I anticipate you will be on top very, very soon. And shout out to Dalton. Congratulations winning the 8 o'clock spot and moving up the leaderboards once again. And that is it for this week's edition of the 8 o'clock spot. Be sure to check us out next week on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, if I can talk today, 5 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter, as well as the great YouTube channel uh, and on Twitter once again as well. We will